So as you're all aware, at least hopefully everybody is aware, today is Valentine's Day. So today is a day when we celebrate love, we celebrate our relationships to one another, particularly with our significant others. So it's a wonderful time to be able to start our new sermon series, actually, which is called A Celebration of Marriage. So marriage is one of those things that kind of seals the bond of love that we have with others. Um, and in uh, thinking about this series and thinking about Valentine's Day, it's incredible to uh, think that my wife and I, we've been married, we will have been married for 10 years in April. So and that's uh, uh, April 9th, 2011 was when we got married. <laughs> April the 9th. So that's when we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary. Uh, my parents, they aren't here today. They're actually down in Florida, lucky dogs. And uh, they're, they've been married for about 40 years now. And, uh, and I know that many of you here have actually been married for a good while as well. There's so many stories about the love you've had with your spouse and the things you've been through, the things you've built, and just all the love that God has bestowed upon you and you've been able to share uh, with your significant other as well. <clears throat> One of the things I think of when I think of love and Valentine's Day and all that is movies. I mean, how many times have, have uh, you been on your first date or a date with a person who might now be your wife or husband, and you try to think of something to do, and then you say, hey, let's go out to the movies. And uh, I thought of a couple of the movies that I've liked throughout the years, um, along with my wife that we've enjoyed together, that have this theme of love. One of them being uh, my wife's new favorite movie, sometimes. It goes back and forth between two movies, but it's called A Country Wedding, and it's actually a Hallmark favorite, uh, and it's about... And what she put is a Hallmark favorite about true love, which that's what it's about, yeah. Uh, the main character learns that love is far greater than status, fame, and fortune. He finds true happiness with the girl he who cares about him the most, which you can pretty much attach that to any Hallmark movie, by the way. <laughs> but no, it's a lot of fun. Actually, I've really grown to appreciate the love stories that Hallmark has produced over the years. Another movie, this one is uh, was pretty famous a number of years ago. I can't believe it's already been 10 years since this movie came out. It's called The Vow. And if you haven't seen The Vow, it's about this, uh, this car accident this husband and wife are in. Uh, the wife ends up losing her entire memory of their relationship together and ends up leaving him. But he pursues her and pursues her, goes after her until finally she remembers why it is that she fell in love with him to begin with. Um, Another one's kind of fun. It's a comedy. It's called Marriage Retreat. It's about a man and a woman who go on this retreat. And actually their intention for going on this marriage retreat is to fix each other. What ends up happening is the word of God is presented to them. And they realize that they need to be fixing themselves and allowing God to do that. Because ultimately, by putting God first, that is what brings healing to our lives and love between us and our, and our spouse. Only through putting God first. Can we possibly have love for one another? And love, as we know from the Bible, is the highest of all virtues. None other compares to its value. But it needs a little bit of help if you want it to last. And no bond helps love like marriage. Marriage is sacred. A sacred union between one man and one woman declaring exclusivity. Marriage, though, is not simply about two people. It is about God. So, you probably didn't expect a theology lesson today, but in order to know why marriage is so important, we must first learn about God. <clears throat> Jesus prayed 
this prayer in John 17, verse 24. He said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. So that's pretty deep right there. Before the creation of the world, God the Father and God the Son had a loving, bonding relationship. And before the creation of the world, there was nothing but God. And God is three persons, yet, yet somehow he is one. The way that theologian Wayne Grudem puts it is that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is not the Son. And yet, somehow, they are three, but they are one. So that's pretty deep. And on top of that, three and oneness is something that unites them all together. That unifying factor is what we call love. And God has revealed love to us through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have a personal relationship with him. Genesis 1.27 states, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in this, we learn a few points from this passage. First of all, uh, we, what we learn about how God sees marriage from this passage and we see that first, God created mankind in his image. That is actually profoundly significant as it relates to our relationships with one another. Second, he created them male and female. Remember the whole thing we said about uh, the Trinity, about how each one of the persons in the Trinity is not the other, and yet they are still God. But we see that men and women were created differently, that they have different skills, different purposes to fulfill in sight of God's order, and yet, we see uh, that in Genesis 2.18, he says that it's not good for a man to be alone. God created Eve, and then this mystery is revealed by God himself, where he says the two became one flesh. And so mankind shares inside this unity in the bond of marriage. So God did not create people to be alone. We are created to be relational by nature, as God himself is relational and is indeed in community with himself even before the creation of anything else. We reflect God as we are in his image. Now for those of you who are single, this is in no way a discouragement from being single. In fact, God said that those who are not yet married can be focused solely on him. Still, those who are not married can have people to care for inside their lives. God still wants us in community. He still wants us loving other people. In fact, when we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we see this incredible thing where he is free to go and evangelize, go from place to place. He went all over Europe because he did not have to uh, be concerned about the needs of a significant other, of, of, a, of a wife in this case. Instead, he was able to go to all these places and share his gifts and all that with them freely. Um, and, uh, but you see that, nonetheless, he prayed for all these people. He had all sorts of friends, all sorts of companions that joined him for his travels. Uh, so he definitely exhibited the love that God has for us and wants us to show other people, despite the fact that he remained single himself. Now, I don't know if you've heard these mantras. These are things I've heard over the year about love. I think that 
Our culture very much has forgotten exactly what love is as God wants us to understand it. But I've heard things over the years like love is love. What, what does that mean exactly? It's kind of confusing. You've heard, uh, I know that probably everybody here has heard this one, all you need is love. That sounds nice, but still, what, what exactly is that trying to get to? And then even you hear uh, the phrase, God is love, which is actually scriptural. Nonetheless, these phrases do not fully explain what love is unless you take them within the context of Holy Scripture. 1 John 4.10 tells us what our love ought to look like. It says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God's love is not some sort of emotional state that we experience. It is something that is intentionally done and it is sacrificial in nature. As it says that it's not that we love God first, but rather God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Now, this sacrificial love doesn't just go for marriage. It does go for marriage, but it also goes for our friendships and even towards our enemies whom Jesus commands us to love as well. Now, King David, you're all familiar with King David. This is uh, fascinating. After his friend Jonathan had died, he said of his friend Jonathan that he loved him. That's one of those things that can get confusing unless, again, you understand that love is not something that is necessarily purely romantic in nature. He loved Jonathan as a brother in Christ. He loved him as somebody that God had given him as in a special, to fill a special place in his life, and he was able to help him as well. They sacrificially served one another. Thus, this loving bond was created between them as brothers uh, that are looking out for one another's need. So we see through this that love is for everyone, and without God, it simply can't exist. Marriage, however, is something specially designed by God to further serve his purposes. 1 Corinthians 9, 5, indeed even reveals that Peter had a wife that went along with him on his journeys. I can think about this for a minute. If Peter, being married, left his wife at home and then traveled all over the world and he had other women accompanying him on these travels, that probably looked kind of weird, wouldn't it? It probably wouldn't sound like their marriage was intact and strong and the way it's supposed to be, the way that God intended it. But instead, it says that Peter took his wife along with him uh, for these journeys as they had this special bond inside of marriage that God entrusted them with. And so they were able to use that relationship even to share the gospel with other people. Within marriage, there's this incredible love story that is revealed to us that goes beyond the surface level of it. Marriage is a love story that is given to us by God himself to show us how he feels toward us. I don't think that any book in the Bible expresses this better than the book of Hosea. So uh, remember I mentioned that Genesis at the, at the beginning of the Bible, very first book in the Bible, Hosea is in the middle part of the Bible. One of those books that whenever you hear the pastor say to turn to say the book of Hosea. You start flipping rampantly to try to find where on earth is the book of Hosea. Anyway, Hosea, he was a prophet, and he is a very unique prophet in this sort of way. Hosea was commanded by God 
to marry a prostitute. You think some of your friends have made bad decisions in their lives with who they married. Hosea was commanded, actually, again, commanded to marry a prostitute. Now, they ended up having a couple of children after they got married. Lived a pretty decent life. He made a decent living. But one day, his wife, whose name, by the way, was Gomer, ran off and returned to her old way of living in the shadier parts of town. In Hosea 3.1, God then commanded Hosea to go find his wife and to bring her back. He gave, he, he, uh, uh, gave these words to, to Hosea. He said, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Real quick, you can't love the sacred raisin cakes. It's Valentine's Day, so we think about chocolates and stuff like that. I see that at the end of uh, in this passage. It just tickles me. The Israelites love their sacred raisin cakes, so <laughs> they put that before their love for God. But this marriage, what we're seeing right here inside of this passage, that God commanded Hosea to marry this shady woman, that it wasn't really about Hosea and Gomer. Rather, it was all about God and his pursuit of the Israelites. Hosea 3, 4 through 5 blows it all down for us very nicely. It says, The Israelites will live many days without a king or a prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. So this might sound a little bit confusing here. Uh, first, what we have is that God is showing through Hosea that he will go and seek out Israelites to bring them back to him. Seeing his love, they'll return to him. And it says uh, in the last days that the Israelites will ultimately return to the Lord, but it says uh, that they'll, they'll seek the Lord their God and David their king. This might sound kind of confusing without the context uh, David had been dead for quite a number of years at this point in history. And so you might scratch your head like, David, they are king. What on earth? Well, who's it talking about here? Jesus. It's talking about Jesus right here, that one day the Israelites will turn their hearts back toward Jesus. So it's not talking about David at all. It's talking about the king of kings. And Jesus himself never gives up on us, which is why we can't ever give up on each other inside of our relationships. The closing that I'm just going to simply read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you may have heard it at weddings and such. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 6 say, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you've expressed toward us. We thank you, Lord, that you have both given us the union of marriage to be able to celebrate your love inside it, but also, Lord, just the multitude of relationships that you've given us, Lord, our friends, our families, 
Uh, Lord, all these people that you've given to us to love and to, uh, to, to fulfill this image that you've put upon us, this image of God that you've put upon us to be able to share with other people. Lord God, I pray that as we celebrate this day, Valentine's Day, with our spouses or significant others or just with friends, uh, Lord, that you would just help us to remember the love that you have for us and be able to display that fully. Knowing, Lord, that it's not something where you want us to take from the other person, but rather, Lord, to give and to share with them the best of ourselves that you've given us to share in our gifts, our talents, our resources, and everything, Father God. All for your glory. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.